Hi, this is AJ Bingham with BG Media Group. We are excited to share our first podcast collaboration with Austin Real Estate Insider Jan Buholtz. Titled Heartbeat of the City, in this three-part pilot series, Jan will share her industry knowledge and exclusive insights. Share your thoughts on this podcast on our website at www.bgmediagp.com. Hello there. Good morning. So, Jan, you are considered an industry insider. We wanted to give a little bit of background to your listeners who might not know. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You bet. You bet. I'm a Denverite. Um, I've been a reporter for many years. I started out doing murder and mayhem and uh, general reporter, school boards, city council, you name it. And then in the early 2000s, I started doing a lot more real estate reporting. I was a freelancer for the Denver Business Journal, and I loved it. I just realized I love writing about real estate. So I eventually went on staff with the Denver Business Journal and then um, transferred to the Phoenix Business Journal spent five years there and then I came to the Austin Business Journal in 2012. So I've been able to see real estate unfold in three different markets and through a really terrible recession. So it's been fun. It's been a wild ride, but I, I really enjoy it. So as you've been known around town as one of the biggest insiders in commercial real estate, we have wanted to talk about a few trends that you see in the upcoming year since you see things that other people don't see until they're already happening. So to start off, one of the biggest talks last year was the development to the Riverside area. Can you give us some background on these changes that are coming to that area? Yeah, I um, I know it's very, even right now, there's a lot of discussion about a particular development at uh, Pleasant Valley Road in East Riverside called Project Catalyst. Currently, it's student housing. It's older buildings, and there's a lot of neighborhood outcry about it becoming a second domain. But my thought on East Riverside Drive, and I actually did a little bit of research last night, was the city council, the previous city council, had designated East Riverside Drive as a major corridor heading to the airport. I mean, it's just the natural flow of traffic. Um, And it's a major roadway. So it makes perfect sense that you would allow much more development in that area. However, there should be good pedestrian access. So that has to fit. In, but I don't quite understand what the outcry is for higher density development in that area. I think that's the natural flow. I do feel that there's there should be light rail from downtown to the airport. And I think based on what I checked out at the airport, that was a major thought as well. Um, So it's not some revolutionary idea that this developer came up with. I think the city always saw this area as evolving into a much higher density transit-driven corridor. So I'd be surprised now if there is a complete change of uh, 
opinion, but there is a lot of controversy now. So we'll see. I mean, adding all to that, you have uh, Oracle's campus. That was a game changer. That was a huge company saying, we're going to be part of the Austin community in this location, which is completely out of the box. It wasn't downtown. It wasn't the domain. It wasn't Research Boulevard. So I I think it'll be interesting to see that um, unfold. But I hope they make the best of it. It's a terrific opportunity. And continuing on that talk about the Riverside area, Austin is considered the most economically segregated major metropolitan area in the U.S. How does this development of one of Austin's most affordable areas going to impact this economic segregation? You know, I, I know that there are different minority groups that have been in that area, but actually the most diversified area of Austin, it seems, is East Austin on the north side of the river, the north side of Lady Bird Lake. And that, I feel, has undergone some radical change that may be too uh, radical. I mean, I'm really concerned about preserving certain areas where the black community has so much stake and has for a long time. I think um, some Hispanic neighborhoods are definitely under fire. So I feel like the area uh, north of Cesar Chavez, say, between I-35 and 183, that is where the focus should be of um, helping people maintain their homes there and maintaining home ownership, um, being very cautious about demolitions and new builds. To me, that is the more delicate part. I, that's where the focus should be, I think, is preserving that area and doing everything you can to uh, preserve those places that are keenly um, connected with with our cultural diversity. For instance, I saw where Cisco's is now up for historic designation. And to me, that's a no-brainer. Yes, you, you maintain that. Some of these smaller places, um, retail or storefronts, Gosh, I'd hate to see them just torn down because I think some of those little places have so much heart, uh, the heart of Austin embedded in them. And so what do you think about those small businesses and retail areas that are in the Riverside area? Do you think they'll be able to survive with the new growth in that area, especially if the property taxes and all of that increase? You know, I have to say that the retail along that strip there, there are very few places that are stellar examples of historic usage. You know, there's bingo parlors there, and um, 
I, I think there's some restaurants that really cater to the Hispanic community, but there's a lot that are are not what I could, would consider great places to maintain. I mean, some people may completely disagree with me on this. I know HEB is really going to up its game at that location and really make improvements. Um, I don't know. The issue of retailers making it all over the center part of the city is a major concern, not just East Riverside Drive. So retailers are the ones that are getting hit the hardest by property tax increases all over the city. So we need to revisit that whole issue for small businesses, retailers, and restaurants for the whole city because they're getting squeezed out, and that's a problem. Um, I do think maintaining, um, well, there isn't even strong pedestrian controls over there. That needs to be really addressed. The people that develop over there should be part of a plan that makes sure there are safe crossings across Riverside Drive for everyone. Um, but I think, you know, I just think that area presents a prime opportunity for good development. You've already got home builders that are putting a lot of even single-family homes. There needs to be more condos. There, there just needs to be all sorts of new kinds of housing of a more affordable nature, maybe more micro-units. And I will say, I have driven some of the very modest neighborhoods closer to 71 and 183. They're tucked in there, and they're very modest neighborhoods. Those neighborhoods deserve some recreational options um, and, you know, some parks and nice space, maybe... Um, recreation centers or just studio art. Austin's very, very, I feel, lacking in recreational and cultural amenities for inside the city. So that's something to look at. But I, I don't think this Project Catalyst development is the issue. I mean, I think it needs to be governed and it's got to follow the rules, but I don't think that is a detraction right in that area. I think it would be a plus. So we'll see. We need to get light rail down there too. Somebody needs to really figure that part of it out. So obviously the Riverside area is going to be an exciting part of the city in the coming year. So moving on to our next trend that we've talked about, we were talking about how City Council is taking on a new version of Code Next, Code Next 2.0. What do you see the, as the biggest changes and how this will impact the city and the real estate community? Nobody knows what's going to happen. I talked to several people and uh, everybody's waiting to see what City Manager Spencer Cronk brings to the table. We have no idea. He was he was 
um, given the assignment to revisit the failed effort to change Code Next and to present some new ideas. So we're waiting on that. I know that the developers and the realtors who I've talked with in the last two weeks are waiting with bated breath to see what is presented because I think more than anything, we need we need a code that is going to facilitate different forms of housing. More duplexes, more fourplexes, more granny units, more probably higher heights in certain areas. Um, I was just thinking of certain areas where I haven't seen any high rise evolve, like really even in the domain. They're, they're more mid-rise. Well, why, why don't we have the capacity for more high-rise up there? Whatever we do, we just have to make it easier for home builders in particular to build more housing. That, that is just an important part of how the city is going to be able to absorb all that growth. I, I do think, too, with homeowners and small businesses, they never know what the playing field is. The big developers hire attorneys and civil engineers who know how to play the game. And the big developers can pay for expedited reviews. But everybody else... They don't even know how to read the code. If you try to read the code, it's like mumbo-jumbo. So, boy, I hope Spencer Cronk, who I have a lot of hopes for because he's an outsider who came in, I hope he can really get to the heart of the matter and simplify this because it can't help. It can't come soon enough for a lot of people. And then we're going to go a little bit on the bigger macro scale about the national trends. So what trends do you think that are impacting the nation will also impact Austin? You know, I think Austin's going to be the least impacted of most markets in the country when things start to turn south. And they're starting, there's some signs of um, your capital markets and your CMBS lenders uh writing fewer loans. I think I saw yesterday that like in the fourth quarter there was it was down about a percent. Now that's very small. People are still um concerned about our political discord and how that's unsettling to the culture. So then your financial markets respond to that with the thing, oh, we're gonna pull back. I mean like SoftBank pulling back on WeWork. That's an interesting, that could be a trend where these big money lenders decide we're, we're going to pull back for now. We don't, we're not sure what the worldwide financial markets are going to do. 
So then Austin will get caught in that. We're, we're not an island anymore. We're not a little bit player. We're not a small town. We are now impacted by what the big money do. And I, I see, to the pension funds, some of them are actually trying to get in California to make cuts in what they pay the retirees. So that tells me they're a little short on cash. So because of these big macro influences, particularly the people with big money, if they're going to hold back, we are going to be impacted. I've been reading the deeds since the beginning of the year, and there haven't been many big sales of your big buildings, um, uh, big business parks, big apartment complexes. So I don't know if that's going to pan out the rest of the year, but it's been very slow going nationally, sales of your multi-million dollar properties. Everybody seems to be waiting to see how things are going to pan out here. So it sounds like this upcoming year is going to be very exciting for Austin. It is. So just to close out, what do you think is going to be the big takeaways the industry takes from these trends that you've been predicting? I think locally we're waiting on code next. I think that they better be in the midst of pulling something together. That's all I can say. Not much has been said. I hope behind the scenes the city, Spencer, is making headway on that because future development relies on it. The transportation thing, thank goodness for Kurt Watson. He's the only one that seems to really push things and get big things done. Something has got to give on I-35, and someone has to present some better plans for light rail, and I also have some ideas about transportation that aren't that complicated, but we got to get people moving around through public transportation or public-private, but if you're going to get cars off the road, you got to have some other options instead of just saying, more people need to stop driving. Well, we've still got to get to work and get to the store, so we have to facilitate some options. So those are the things that I'm like, man, I hope this is the year we make some headway. Okay, well, what an exciting 2019. Thank you so much, Jan. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Heartbeat of the City. We welcome your comments and ratings on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as reviews on our website at www.bgmediagp.com.